Hello, Christopher McMichael here, coming to you from Cookville, Tennessee, in our home church and Grafted Word Church. We want to wish you Merry Christmas. We have a series of special sermons for you, special teachings on Christmas. I want to do a brief study with you, or I don't know, maybe a lengthy study. For the next four weeks, we want to study Christmas and perhaps what we might call the history of Christmas traditions and Christmas celebrations. Every time this year, uh, we Christians get to complaining a little bit about what the, the world is making of our holiday. No doubt Christmas is a Christian holiday. Christmas, as you well know, is the time of year we celebrate the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're very mindful to keep that as the center of it. Within the last 15 or 20 years, you've seen signs pop up everywhere that says Jesus is the reason for the season. And of course, then we have what some call culture wars where they're trying to take Jesus out of Christmas and they want to say seasons greetings and happy holidays so they don't offend the non-believers. My opinion is if you're not a believer, don't celebrate my Christmas. <laughs> if you're a believer, celebrate Christmas. But with that being said, we know that Jesus Christ is the whole reason for this season. I want us to study over the next several weeks and look closely at the history of American culture and the American Christmas culture. Where do these things come from? Uh, where, why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? Was Jesus really born then? Uh, what, what about Santa Claus? How does that guy enter into the picture? What about caroling? What's a Yule log? Uh, what about gift giving? What, what, what is all this stuff about? And I hope more than anything, just to give you some good information and to encourage your faith and always tie it back to the Bible, of course. That's what we do here on the Engrafted Word telecast. Uh, I'm a Bible man. I, I love the Bible. You should too. And hopefully this will strengthen your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I might just add as my little complaint right now, one of the things that we preachers call certain Christians, we call them CME Christians. Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter Christians. And what we mean by that is some Christians only come to church on Christmas, Mother's Day, or Easter. And uh, this might be the season you decide to actually go back into a church. I'd encourage you to do more than just Christmas. Uh, Jesus wants to be good to you on more than just Christmas. He wants to be good to you at New Year's. He wants to be good to you through the whole month of January, February, and March. Then you go back to church for Easter. There's Mother's Day in there about May. We want you to be in church all the time. But I want to jump into these lessons I've written. I believe the Spirit of God directed me to write this just for our education, for our betterment, and we can understand why we do certain things. And perhaps you'll walk away and realize maybe there's some traditions you need to stomp. Uh, just because America does it doesn't mean it's biblical. Just because America celebrates it a certain way doesn't mean it's proper. If you're an old-timer, what I'm, I'm in my mid-30s, what I might call an old-timer, you've probably seen how even the celebration of Christmas has evolved in our nation and just the last 50, 60 years. And I've seen it just in my short 30 plus years, how things are moving away from the holy and the sacred and becoming more secular and more commercialized. And it's all about money. And truthfully, the whole world looks forward to December 25th because that's when the most of the retailers have their biggest profits. And they, they call it Black Friday because that's when the retailers start entering back into the black as opposed to the red of debt. And so what we want to do is we want to look at the history of Christmas and kind of study these holidays. As we're all well aware, Christmas is the most celebrated and most commercialized holiday ever known to man. 
Trillions and trillions of dollars are spent at Christmas on gift giving. Uh, most people still realize that the birth of uh, the Christ child is the whole reason we celebrate uh, Christmas. But I want to give you some history, just give you some interesting facts and tidbits for you to use and discuss. Uh, I've done a lot of research on this and I, I trust it'll benefit you. We want to ask the question, when was Jesus really born? Was he really born on December 25th? Or was he born some other time? And if he wasn't born on December 25th, how did we come to celebrate Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ on December 25th? Well, we might want to point out that uh, first century Christians, and by that we mean Christians that worship Jesus Christ right after his resurrection and ascension, uh, church history lets us and even the Bible lets us know that they weren't interested in when Jesus was born. It was not significant to them. They were only interested in when he was resurrected. And we see that in the fact that after the resurrection of Jesus, the Christ-like ones, or those that followed him the way, as the book of Acts calls it, uh, they were first called Christians at Antioch, they began to honor the day that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that day being Sunday. They began to honor it by going to church on Sunday. That became their Sabbath. Now, if you want, like some, you can split hairs on when you go to church and when you don't go to church. And some, some folks within the body of Christ, they want to argue and say, it's got to be on a Saturday. It's got to be on a Saturday because God says, honor my Sabbath. Uh, well, I don't have a problem honoring the Sabbath, but what happens if you have to work on Saturday? What happens if you're overseas? What happens if you're stranded on an island and you lose what the track of day it is? Do you think God's going to be upset with you if you lose total track of time and you start celebrating Saturday on Tuesday? Or maybe you're a good Baptist like I was raised a good Southern Baptist and maybe Friday you've lost track of time and now Friday becomes your Sunday. What if since the resurrection of Jesus Christ with all the Gregorian calendars and the monk-based calendars and the Roman calendars and the Jewish calendars, what if Saturday really isn't Saturday? What if it's Wednesday? See, all this stuff gets to be real boggling down and, and legalistic when what Jesus Christ wants you to do is honor him out of your heart and have one day a week that you set apart to fellowship, to worship, to assemble with the saints. If you want to go Saturday, go Saturday. If you want to go Sunday, go Sunday. Personally, I love to honor Jesus and worship him seven days a week. I might be better than you because I do it six and seven days a week where maybe you only stick to a Saturday. I want to read a verse to you along those lines. Uh, Colossians 2.16 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of Sabbath days. Uh, Paul told the church at Colossae, don't let anybody judge you in respect of what the holy day is, or we would say holiday, but holy day, what day you esteem holy. Don't let them judge you. As long as you have a holy day, a day that you set apart to worship Jesus Christ with all of your heart, that's what he's looking for. You can tie that together with Romans chapter 14, verses 5 and 6. They say this, for one man esteems one day above another. That could be your Saturday. That could be your Sunday. It could be your December 25th. And other esteem every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regards the day, he regards it to the Lord. And he that regards not the day to the Lord, he regards not the day. And he that eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks. And he that eateth not, also gives God thanks. What these verses are telling us is that you can get legalistic and real strict on what days of the week you worship God on, or perhaps what you want to call a holiday or a holy day, but Jesus Christ just says, worship me. Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that's kind of the heart of what we're going to be looking at here with these lessons on Christmas. And is December 25th the Lord's real birthday, or was it some other time?
Truth be told, as we've just previously mentioned, according to the New Testament, the book of Acts, all throughout the, uh, the New Testament, there's no mention of when Jesus was born. There's no specific mention. There's no specific record in the book of Acts that the, the early Christians celebrated Christmas as we know it. They didn't have a celebration or a festivity or a feast uh, to celebrate when he was born, but we know they celebrated his resurrection. Uh, truth be told, thank God for Christmas. It's one of my favorite times of the year because of what our culture has made it, but that doesn't make it an important uh, Christian celebration in that there's no power in Christ coming as the infant child. Our salvation is based upon his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm not belittling the birth of the Christ child. As I've already said, I love Christmas. We have a Christmas Eve service here at Engrafted Word Church. It's very reverential. We take communion. We pray. We worship the Lord. We talk on and teach on the Christmas story and the coming of Christ. But the early church didn't put any emphasis on it. And not for the first 100 or 200 years or so. Then after that, they began to develop what was called the Feast of the Nativity. We understand what a nativity is. And they began to have a feast to recognize it, just like you would anybody else's birthday. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Uh, we, what we want to look at here is how did we come to celebrate it on December 25th? And when was Jesus really born? Uh, I want to point out to you that Jesus was probably more than likely born in either the late fall in the end of September, uh, or he was born at the end of December. And these dates are given to us by studying uh, uh, John, John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, who had the visitation of the angel. And we know based on the Bible's account that Zacharias, who would have been Jesus's uncle, he was, a high, he was a priest and he was serving his course in the Holy of Holies in his part or his course Abiah. And that lets the Jews know when that is and what season that is and when he's celebrating it or when he's doing his duty as a priest. A lot of stuff goes into all that. And based on Jewish theologians and, and church historians, uh, they put that Jesus could have either been born at the end of September during the Feast of Tabernacles or what's called the Sukkot, or he would have been born at the end of December. Either way, we would say it doesn't really matter. Uh, again, the church, uh, the, the church didn't celebrate it in the early days as far as a specific date, and the Bible doesn't record it. And so in that regard, my estimation, my opinion is, it's like as if you were to adopt a child and you didn't have a birthday, you didn't know when the child was officially born, you might take the date that you adopted the child and celebrate that as their birthday the rest of their life because you want to celebrate it, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating life. And so we say all that to say we don't know for certain when Jesus Christ was truly born, maybe end of September, maybe end of December. Uh, but this, uh, we haven't answered the question yet. How do we celebrate it on December 25th? I want to emphasize one more time. It should be noted that the Bible does not emphasize the birth of Jesus, only the death. And because the death is what saves us, that's what we celebrate the most. It's interesting that America has not yet completely uh, marketed or commercialized Easter. Uh, now they try to do it with the Easter bunny. They try to do it with the chocolate, the Cadbury eggs, the Cadbury bunny. But it's kind of hard uh, to celebrate uh, what saved the world, and that is the death, burial, and not just the burial, but the resurrection. It's almost as though the devil and the world system doesn't want to draw too much attention to Easter because you start talking, even on public radio, even on public media, you start talking about the resurrected Savior. That's where the power of the gospel lies, not in the birth of a baby, even if the baby is the Christ, 
the power of our gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, rests in the resurrection. And yet you can think about it as an American. So much money, so much, a whole six, seven weeks is spent in preparation for, uh, for Christmas. It's so commercialized. Uh, they change the coffee blends at your coffee store for Christmas. Everything's different. They have Christmas parties at your at work, Christmas parties at even the pagan industries. But there aren't any Easter parties. There aren't any Easter dinners. There aren't any Easter coffee blends. And it's almost as though the devil knows, hey, uh, let's not bring too much attention to this holiday or this holy day because then people will start talking about, do you really believe that he was raised from the dead? What does it mean that God would raise his son from the dead? So there's too much power in that for the heathen and the devil just seems to leave it alone and market it with chocolate and putting a basket in the kids for the kids with fake grass in it that you hate it gets everywhere and chocolate eggs from mama and a, a bunny you're never going to eat because it's just way too much chocolate. And uh, so we have to keep looking here at Christmas. Uh, we we want to ask here, how did, how did we end up on December 25th? Well, you, you fast forward a few hundred years in history from the first century to about the fourth century. About the fourth century, Rome has adopted Christianity as its principal religion. But Rome still worshipped all these demon gods and these pagan gods. And if you know anything about Greek mythology and Roman, Roman gods, they kind of overlap. And there was a festival uh, celebrated from December 17th to December 24th called Saturnalia. It's the most famous of all Roman festivals. And it seems, and, and there's a lot of writings on this in history and in antiquity, that let us know that the church fathers in those days, and even the Roman government, in desiring to try to assimilate the pagans into the body of Christ, they decided to move what had at that point been the Feast of the Nativity, which had been celebrated about December 6th or 7th, they decided to move it to the end of this festival called Saturnalia. And they put it on the 25th. Uh, because uh, Saturnalia was celebrated for a week from about the 17th, concluding at the 24th. And on the 25th was the grand day of their celebration of Saturnalia. And they called it the birthday of the unconquerable sun. That's what the Roman pagans called the 25th, the birthday of the unconquerable sun. And so the early church fathers in the fourth century, they said, well, hey, that sounds like a play on words from Malachi, where it says, and, and the son of righteousness, S-O-N. Malachi there, it says, the son of righteousness, S-O-N, shall arise with healing in his wings. And they, they said basically, their, perhaps their mindset was, hey, we can just tweak this a little bit. They're wanting to celebrate the birthday of the unconquerable son arising. Hey, we're celebrating the son arising with healing in his wings. And so they put, they moved their nativity feast from December, the first week of December, to the 25th so that the Roman pagans would celebrate their pagan God all week and then all of a sudden they'd find themselves falling into the birthday of Jesus Christ. It didn't work so well. It was a bit of a, uh, a national evangelistic tool or a mission, but it didn't work so well because you didn't convert many pagans just by letting them celebrate another God on top of their uh, pantheon of gods. Uh, they, what they in fact did is they began to infect Christianity with their pagan traditions and their pagan celebrations. 
I want to let you know uh, some of these things that were involved in the celebration of Saturnalia. Saturnalia, by the way, was the worship and the celebration of their god Saturn, like the, the, uh, the planet Saturn. That was one of the Roman gods. This one celebrated Saturn, and so it was a festival of Saturnalia. So listen to what some of the things that happened during this week of celebration that concluded on December 25th. We're answering the question, why do we celebrate Jesus' birthday on the 25th? I'm not making any of this up. Get online, check out the encyclopedias, check out websites. This is all uh, ch uh, church history. It's world history. It's very well documented. I just thought I would educate us on why do we do the things we do here uh, 1,600 years later. Uh, during this celebration of Saturnalia, all the courts were closed and no one would be punished for crime during that week. And what that lent itself to, or lent itself to, was mass chaos in the streets, much like Mardi Gras. And uh, in fact, more than one historian has equated it in modern times to Mardi Gras celebrations. And this went on for a week. Uh, there was gift giving. Does that sound familiar to you? And they had this thing, they called it the, the king of misrule or the misruler. And because during that week, the Roman government and the Roman society was reversed, slaves became masters, masters became slaves, uh, prisoners were released, and nobody could be in trouble. What each community did is they took a, a, what they called the misruler and they pulled him out of society and they fed him, they stuffed him, they pampered him. And at the end of the week, they considered him the king of all this misrule. And they blamed him for this, but it was all part of their tradition and culture and their celebration and worshiping these pagan gods. And as king of misrule, they pampered him as if to say, uh, look at how fat you're living, but it's your fault all this is wicked. And at the end of the week, they'd kill him. They'd sacrifice this guy. So human sacrifice was part of the worship of the celebration of Saturnalia. Public intoxication was rampant. Uh, there was also rape was very common and sexual freedom, as they called it. You could sleep with anybody you wanted to. And here's an interesting thing that may catch you. The other thing that really defined Saturnalia was house to house public singing naked. They would go from house to house singing songs. And this is the precursor for what has become caroling. Now, I'm not saying we should stop caroling because 1600 years ago, a bunch of demon possessed yahoos went around naked. They certainly were not singing the carols of Jesus Christ. Many are powerful worship songs that talk about Jesus coming to redeem us. Not at all. I'm not saying we should stop it, but I'm showing you how these things evolve through culture and how we've come to where we are today. Uh, another interesting thing that they would do for Saturnalia is they would make human shaped biscuits. And this became the precursor for gingerbread men. In fact, it, it still carried on in Germany and England today. Of course, we as Americans, being a nation of immigrants from Europe, we've adopted that and brought that over with us. By the fourth century, uh, this, thing had, this thing had been around. Saturnalia had been around, but way before Jesus Christ had come and died for our sins. But by the fourth century, the church said, let us put our celebration right at the end of it. And maybe in all their drunkenness, they'll come to Christ and they'll celebrate his birthday with us. It didn't work. As you can see, these things kind of infected the church where the church did not infect uh, the world. Uh, it's funny because all the man, all the tricks and all the gimmicks the church tries to come up to win the lost never work because Jesus gave one prescription for winning the lost. Preach the gospel. 
You don't have to be slick with it. You don't have to be subtle with it. You just tell somebody Jesus Christ saves and that'll do the trick. The early church here in the fourth century, they goofed up big time. They tried to accommodate the wicked with a Christian celebration and all the Christian celebration did was get infected by the wicked. If we as Christians, as, as we as uh, preachers could just stick with the simple preaching of the gospel and door-to-door evangelism and street witnessing and doing the things the book of Acts did, we would be guaranteed the fruit of the book of Acts. But I've got to move on here because we want to look at some other things. The Puritans, by the time the Puritans came over uh, in the 1600s, they were very well aware of all the pagan origins of Christmas and what had become associated with Christmas. Now, you and I today in 2012, Christmas 2012, we don't associate worshiping a pagan god named Saturn with Christmas. We don't uh, associate public intoxication with the worship and celebration of Christmas. But they did back in those days. And the Puritans were very, a very strict group of Christians that came over and colonized our Americas four and five hundred years ago. And they, their hearts were so convicted of the pagan origins of Christmas, December 25th, and many of the traditions that they made rules. And the, the colonialists in Massachusetts, the Puritans, they made laws outlawing the gayest celebration or the, 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 the gaiety, the the pomp and circumstance of celebrating Christmas. They made it illegal. You could be fined and imprisoned for celebrating Christmas too joyfully. And what they were trying to do was lean, lean against the Roman paganism and lean against all that perversion. Now that may not sound very encouraging, but that is the historical truth as to why we, 1600 years later, celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ on December 25th. More than likely, he was probably born in the end of September. Uh, but in the end, it doesn't matter. We just celebrate it. Now, we don't celebrate it like the pagans did, but there is no doubt and there is no denying some of these things have crept in. Now, I want you to be uh, encouraged. There's nothing wrong with how you celebrate Jesus as long as your heart does it for Jesus. Some, every family has different traditions. Every family kind of does Christmas differently. But as long as you keep Jesus Christ at the center of Christmas, not merchandising, not marketing, not going into debt, not keeping up with the Joneses, not fretting over credit card debt. But as long as you keep Jesus Christ at the center of your celebration and everything you do, you do to glorify him. There, there's nothing wrong in essence with how you celebrate Jesus. I know of families who they'll bake Jesus a birthday cake. That's kind of a reflection of American culture. We make a big deal out of birthdays. Some cultures don't. And so some parents, to teach their children to honor Jesus, they'll bake Jesus a birthday cake on Sunday morning. One of the traditions my wife and I want to do, uh, and I learned it from somebody else, I, I like a nativity set, and I'm trying to get my hands on a nativity set where baby Jesus is free from the manger. Because I want to start a tradition with our family that Sunday morning or Christmas morning, excuse me, we go in there and we put baby Jesus in the manger to, to symbolize now he's been born. All right, great. Praise God. Uh, but it's 33 and a half more years before he dies and is raised from the dead. That's a tradition we want to do. Some folks, they make a big deal out of a Christmas Day dinner. Some folks, they got to have their candlelight Christmas Eve service. Some churches, they have to have church on Christmas Day. Otherwise, their heart can't honor Jesus. Other churches say, there's no way we're having a church on Christmas Day. We want to spend it with family. And that's one of the things uh, the Bible says here in Romans 14 is, he says, who are you to judge another man's servant? 
unto his master, he, he will stand or fall. Yes, and God is able to make him stand. And he goes on to say, for one man esteems one day above another, and another man esteems every day alike. I want you to see that uh, you might have different cultures in your part of Tennessee than maybe we had growing up in Louisiana. Then maybe the Texans do. Right now, our church has missionaries uh, in Uganda. And we just got an email from them. And our missionary said, boy, it does not feel like the holidays over here. And just that day, my wife and I had said, boy, it is so awesome. It's starting to feel like the holidays. It's starting to feel festive. It's starting to feel family. People are getting sweeter. Everybody, uh, everybody's kind of gearing up for Thanksgiving. And that kind of feeds into Christmas. And all of it culminates with celebrating the birth of Jesus. As long as your heart honors Jesus Christ and your heart is thankful for his birth, his life, his resurrection, his death, and his atonement for you, then really it doesn't matter how you celebrate it as long as it's not sinful. All right, there are certain things you do to be totally sinful. Don't get drunk ever. That's totally sinful. Be careful of the eggnog. They'll put liquor in that. That's sinful. You know, don't go into debt. Christians are very good about going into debt for Christmas. The Bible doesn't say you have to give gifts at Christmas. In fact, we got that from Saturnalia. One of the reasons we still give gifts is because the pagans did 1,600 years ago. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to go into debt to give your kids everything. Uh, I would encourage you with all of my heart, dear listener, don't get under pressure this holiday season. Let this holiday season, the Christmas season, be about Jesus Christ coming to die for you. Let it be about the redemption of mankind, the redemption of your family. Let it be a time of reverence and honor. Let it be a time of love and joy where you gather your kids to you and your family and you just love on each other and you fellowship around the Lord Jesus Christ. You fellowship around his church. That's what this is all about. I'm running out of time here and I'm trusting and believing that you've learned something from this lesson here as to how and why we're, we're celebrating Christmas on December 25th. This doesn't mean we should stop celebrating on December 25th. Somebody said, Pastor, uh, they cel pagans celebrated something on December 25th. And I said, yep. And they celebrated something on December 26th. They celebrated something on my birthday. They celebrated something on Easter. They celebrate something every Sunday and every Saturday. We got to just jump in there somewhere and celebrate the things of God because God made every day, not the pagans. The pagans just take it and pervert it. So I want you to be encouraged. I'm not telling you to stop celebrating Christmas on December 25th, but we wanted to historically look at why do we do this? Hopefully you've learned something. I believe you have. In the coming weeks, in fact, the next lesson we're going to cover is the history and the origin of Santa Claus. You will be shocked where Santa Claus comes from. And I'm going to encourage you, do not tell your children there is a Santa Claus. That would make you a liar. I know what America tells you, but we don't want to be liars to our children. The Bible says the lying tongue hates all those that it afflicts. That would be your own children. I'm out of time. Pastor Christopher McMichael here telling you I love you. I want to wish you Merry Christmas. Keep Jesus as the focus of it. Don't forget to be a doer of God's word and we'll see you next week in Jesus name.